Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 110 of In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Will, and we are here today on this Monday to go over the most fascinating, the most polarizing, and the most interesting topics in all of sports. The request line, one eight three three radio BX, and we are here today with so much to discuss between basketball, between football. We even got uh, a little bit of uh, um, uh, boxing to discuss. We even got some college baseball to discuss, and we have an absolutely loaded show for you guys today. And before we start, I want to introduce my co-host, Real Will. Will, how are we doing today? Listen, man, I'm doing good, right? I'm happy right now, and the reason why I'm happy is because the city I live in is beautiful, Brooklyn. I just wanted to say that. Shout out the most deaf. Brooklyn, we always proud when we come from Brooklyn. Represent. It's all good, baby, baby. Let's get this show started. Shout out to my cousin, Freddie's sister. His show was before ours. And now it's our time to shine and let's grind. Absolutely. So we have so much to discuss today. Also, before we start, I wanted to do one thing, introducing our guest. He has now been on the show a couple times. We always love when he comes on as he provides us a unique opinion. I remember Will said uh, last week that sometimes on In the Huddle, Will and I, we always love to debate, but it's always good to get that third party and get his opinion. Our guy, the basketball content creator, Isaiah, joins us. Zay, how are we doing today? Oh, we're doing great, man. Beautiful Monday. I'm just glad to be a part of the show. Absolutely, man. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on. Always great to get your opinion on these topics. And with that being said, let's jump right into it. As in game number three, the Milwaukee Bucks take an impressive two games to one series lead over the Atlanta Hawks as Chris Middleton balls out. And the question on the table is, is it fair to blame Trey Young's injury for the Bucks game three win? And will I see your hands up. I'll throw it over to you to start it off. Yes, sir. I want to start this one right off the gate. Look, we can sit here and blame um, the referee all we want. And I know that the Bucks went on a 30-17 to 17 run in the fourth quarter when Trey Young was out. I get all that, and that's a fair argument. But at the same time, the Bucks was going to win this game anyway. One thing the Bucks did, which I know kept them in the game, was they survived that early storm. When you're on the road, your team... They just lost game two. At home, they're going to come out smoking. They're going to come right out the gate, right out the gate smoking. So what you need to do is survive that early storm, keep the game in distance, which they did when they were down 15. By the time they got halftime, it was a tie ball game. Right then and there, you put yourself in predicaments where in the second half, you don't have to come back from a large deficit. You're in play. And shout out to Chris Middleton. Shout out to that brother dropping, what is it, 38 points yesterday? I mean, it's clear as day. Kendrick Perkins said it early this morning. I like to cite my sources. I went to college. I know all about that, that he is the Batman of that team. And I believe so. He is the Batman because when you need a butt basket, when you need a bucket at the end of the game, Chris Middleton is a guy that you rely on. Yeah, I know sometimes this guy may be off. He may be off like how he was in game one and two. But when you need him the most, he will step up. I thought he stepped up last year at this time. In the playoffs, when they got bounced by Miami, he was the only one stepping up. Chris Middleton has been more than a Robin for the Milwaukee Bucks. But other than that, I would just say this. As far as Atlanta, I think Coach McMillan needs to do a better job of not having Trey Young take these ridiculous shots. You know, it's, I know this guy got range. And I know he'll hit a three from a 30-foot three 
you know, occasionally, right? And he does the shimmy and all that. That's cool. But at the end of the day, he's taking way more shots than he's making. And a lot of people like to say, Giannis, Giannis, why are you taking all these shots? You're not making them. I can argue that, well, I don't, I can't argue. I have the stats here to back me up. Trey Young is taking more shots and missing more shots than Giannis is. So instead of having, you know, Trey Young pulling up from deep all the daggone time, you just got to get the guys involved. And if you're Milwaukee, you live with that. Let take let Trey Young take his shots and don't get off of these three point guys because you know he can also dish the rock. So it's being a little bit easier to guard the Atlanta Hawks when you think about the rim protection. When you think about how the Bucks are literally dominating the boards. I mean, let's let's go to the domination right here. Yav scored 132 points in the paint in the first two games compared to the Hawks 87. And last yesterday, y'all scored Atlanta 56 to 34 in the paint. Giannis is getting to the rim with ease. It's almost like he's being guarded by YMCA kids. All right, that's what it's looking like right now. I said Milwaukee in five. In game two, I saw what, in game one, I saw what Atlanta did, and I said it's going to go seven. I changed back. I revert back to my five that I initially had. Atlanta ain't win another game. Will Lil on the mic. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that as someone that picked the Bucks in seven, uh, it is hard to be confident in that pick right now because I will say, for the first time last night, after I watched the Milwaukee Bucks in a playoff game, I was actually really impressed by their toughness and their mental fortitude, which isn't really something that I've been saying about this Bucks team since the beginning of the playoffs. I gave them credit for sweeping Miami, but I've been on the record of saying that if Brooklyn was healthy, that series would not have been close. And the fact that Irving and Harden were either out or not 100% in the majority of those games. Like, I thought the Bucs should have won that series in five. So with that being said, I thought going in, the Hawks had a legit shot to win this series. But at the same time, I think they're a little too banged up. When you combine whatever's going on with Trey Young, like, I understand he wasn't great last night, but everyone is banged up at this time in the playoffs. And I think it's fair to assume at some point he was going to slow down. He's getting an MRI this morning. Have yet to see a result there. I hope he's good. I hope he's ready to go uh, for game number four because without him, as bad as he's played, like I don't think the Hawks have a legit shot to win anything without him. And even though the Hawks did a really good job in game one and in game seven of the series against Philadelphia, showing that their role players can make plays, the Bucks' star power has really taken control of this series. And Lil, I agree 100%. Uh, when you say that Middleton is the key to the Bucks, I've been saying that for a while, even before Kendrick Perkins said that yesterday. I would say two weeks ago I said that that the Bucks offense runs best when it's running through Chris Middleton and when he's uh, making jump shots and when he's hot and when he's creating his own shot. And that is not to be uh, any kind of insult to Giannis. Like, I'm not trying to be mean. Giannis is obviously one of the five to ten best players in the league. But I just think the Bucks have to realize that Chris Middleton is that good where if you run your offense through him and you let Giannis's buckets come naturally, like I'm not uh, hating on Giannis at all. He was great last night. He's been really good uh, throughout these playoffs. And I think that the Bucks have enough to get through the Hawks considering how shorthanded they are and considering what's going on in the West and the Suns, they're a little banged up as well. I think now more than ever, I've been open to the fact that, okay, maybe the Bucks might actually win this whole thing. Um, I actually want to dispute that uh, Trey Young hasn't been playing been play well last night. He shot, I believe, 52% from the field and 43 from the three-point line. And he had 15 points in that third quarter before that injury. Uh, that, um, well, maybe an injury, a parent injury that tweaked to the ankle by stepping on the ref. 
I don't know why the ref was, uh, you know, hanging on the line so so close. But, you know, that is what it is. Um, at that fourth quarter was magical by Chris Middleton. 20 points in the fourth. Um, he made a lot of tough shots. A lot of those tough shots that he takes, you know, that usually don't go in, they went in last night. Um, outside of him, the Bucks, they didn't have another scorer. I think that scored 10 points or even five points. I think, what, Giannis scored five points in that fourth quarter. But opposed to that, it was the Chris Middleton show. And he outscored the Hawks um, tremendously. The Hawks only scored 17 points in that fourth quarter as well. And they're a high offensive team. Like, that that's their bread and butter. So, if they're not making shots, it's all over for them. And, uh, you know, I don't see the Hawks having another decline like that in the fourth because a lot of the shots they were taking, they were missing some wide open ones. Like, Kevin Herter had a couple threes that were wide open that he missed. Same thing with Bogdanovich. So, I don't see him having a repeat um, performance in that nature. Uh, but Chris Milton... You could call him the Batman in a sense where he's taking the shots. Um, but this is not a reoccurring performance that we see from Chris Middleton. Unfortunately, you know, he should be that guy who's getting these kind of this kind of production against a team that's not really defensive, like minded in a sense. So we want to see Chris Middleton get the 30 plus, per, um, you know, more often. And we hope we do during the series. Um, I still think the series goes six, maybe seven. I don't see how um I don't see the Hawks losing another I don't see the Hawks losing their next game. I think they're gonna win their next game at home to tie the series. Uh and I think the biggest thing when I look at the stats here, Clint Capella didn't play a single minute in the fourth quarter. And he's their biggest paint presence, getting rebounds and stuff like that. The um Bucks had a lot of second chance opportunities in that fourth quarter that was able to get more points and unfortunately caused a big lead the lead to go from the Hawks to the Bucks and expand further. So, I mean, hopefully game two, we see a, I mean, game, game four, game two at home for Atlanta, we see a difference. But that trade injury, hopefully, is not as big as, as it seems because that fourth quarter, you only shot one, you only took four shots and only one, one of them, and that was a three-pointer. So, hopefully, we see a difference in the Hawks, but I think the Hawks will win that game, game four. Well, quickly, um, Isaiah, and I, I, I would admit, Trey Young did play good in that game three. I mean, he was six for a uh, 14 from three which is obviously solid especially being at home but when you go back to his stats on the road in game one he was four for 13 from three in game two he was nine for 36 from three so that means he's taking a whole lot especially on the road that he's that he's making and when you're getting out rebounded and you're taking those bad shots that's extra possessions for the bucks so that's why i'm saying if you're the bucks you allow him to take them crazy shots. You know, obviously you cannot leave him wide open. He will make some of them, but you you don't fear that. You don't you know you don't you know get off your man on the three point line, and you obviously can protect the rim. You have the size and you have the defense too. So I just think that you know I'm getting a whole lot of Trey Young create magic, create magic. We need a little bit more than Trey Young creating the magic, especially with the injury. But how ironic, and Zach, I'm gonna let you get in here. How ironic is it? in the nba with all these injuries that happen and Kyrie Irving going up for a shot landed wrong how ironic is that trey young gets hurt by stepping on the referee i mean out of all you know ways you get injured you get injured by the referee standing there like a damn statue of liberty i mean it's it's crazy and that's the that's the reality of the nba right now with the injuries yeah just one quick point on the hawks i agree with will in the sense that i think Injury or not, no matter if he plays or not, it's clear to me that 
Uh, Trey Young is running out of gas a little bit. And in Game 7 of the Philadelphia series, that was fine because we saw guys like uh, Kevin Herter and Capella step up and really John Collins like really show why uh, the Hawks were good enough to get to the Eastern Conference Final. But my worry is that without DeAndre Hunter, it's clear to me that Bogdanovich is just not healthy and I can't really rely on him to make an impact throughout this series. I just don't know if the Hawks have enough. If they come out and win Game 4... And they will prove a lot of people wrong, not you, Isaiah, but they will prove a lot of other people wrong. And I think if they could do that and show me that they could still beat the Bucks in this series, that, okay, we have a legit series. But at the same time, like, the fact that the Hawks were up 15 last night, I know it was in the first quarter, but that, I thought, had the Bucks on the rope. And it was impressive to me how easily they responded. The fact that they had the game tied by halftime and weren't really phased by the tough home court crowd of Atlanta – that has been one of the first times this postseason that the Bucks have showed me uh, that they're a mentally tough team. And once again, Phoenix and the Clippers, we're going to get into that game later. Like, Phoenix looks really banged up right now. The Hawks look really banged up right now. And the Bucks right now might just be winning these NBA playoffs, which to many are just a war of attrition. They are the one team that besides early uh, in the playoffs back into the regular season, besides DiVincenzo, they've really stayed healthy. And they deserve credit for that. I just think that the... um. Well, we'll come commenting on what you said. I, I just think that the Bucks offensively, they, they should have been a Hawks team. You know, this is this series should have shouldn't be as close as it is based on what the Bucks have shown us all season, based on a team they just defeated in the Brooklyn Nets. And right, but did, but did you come out of that Brooklyn series thinking that like, oh, the Bucks are these world beaters? Because I certainly no. didn't. Going in, I thought the Hawks had a legit shot to win the series, especially after game one. But what I've seen the last two games is hard to ignore. 100%. No, I and I agree because like this Bucks team, I don't know what's going on during this playoff series. Um during these playoffs on um, like series the last couple of series and also against the Nets, they don't look like the team that were dominating in a, in a um regular season. This is the team that I think they made and hoisted up the most threes in in the in the season and they were like, you know, they were doing great apparently according to the numbers and and what people were saying, the analysts were saying that this Bucks team is a team to worry about in the playoffs, but when they're playing against these teams that we think they should be dominating, they're not doing so. And, you know, they're missing some key shots, some open shots. Like I said um, earlier, Chris Middleton started to, hit, started to hit some tough shots last night in the fourth quarter when they needed them the most, um, thankfully. But it's like it's strange because we think like a lot of their open shots they're taking throughout the game, they're missing. They're like some easy opportunities that they're missing. You got Giannis doing spin move layups and doing all these acrobatic kind of layups. And they're really tough shots. And it seems like the Bucks are kind of, I don't know if it's, the coach where the schemes are not flowing and the offense is not really moving around and getting some motions or if the players are just folding under pressure and they're not making these tough shots i've been a drew holly supporter since the 76er days and i just think he could be doing way better than two for 11 from the field yeah i don't see that i don't understand why that's happening right and i think for me hold i just think for me against a team like the hawks that are just as banged up as the bucks maybe that would cost them but it, like, bro, these playoffs are just so abnormal that I don't even know if the Bucks need Drew Holiday to play well. I just think they don't need him to just clank shot after shot after shot. I think the Bucks right now, when they're being led by Middleton and Giannis, like, that is a, a dynamic duo that uh, not many other teams left in the playoffs can match. Yeah, and, in fact, and the fact is, we know what Drew Holiday brings defensively. So, yeah, it sucks to see a guy like that only scoring five points, two for 11. I mean, come on. You got to do a little bit better than that. And that's where I would be on the side of, like, come on. You got to play better 
at least do give me something. You know, game seven against the Nets, he was Casper until the fourth quarter. But what he can do defensively, you still need his presence there on the floor. And that still makes him valuable and valuable for that Bucks team. But I would say the key here, and I said this to Zach on the last episode, defend, dominate the boards, you know, um, shoot your threes, and you should be able to win this series easily. Yesterday, they made 11 three-pointers, you know, and that's what, what it came down to. They made their shots, they got the rebounds, they dominated the boards, and that's why they up 2-1. I agree. Um, one more thing. I'm sorry. Uh, Bobby Portis, tremendous game. 15 points, 16 minutes. I don't know if we're going to see a, a repeat production of that, but he also provided some great bench points to you know help them throughout the game. Right. And these are the adjustments that Mike Budenholzer has really been failing to make throughout the playoffs until then. this time. Like It was clear uh, late in that Brooklyn series, right, that Brook Lopez wasn't getting the job done, but he played well in game seven. Didn't play great in game one, Got really got roasted against Capella, but has really bounced back in game two. I think numbers aside, uh, his size and his presence along with Bobby Portis, playing Bobby Portis instead of Thanasis, that, that, that's uh, probably the best move for uh, Mike Budenholzer. But anyway, good move by Milwaukee. They lead 2-1 in the series. Boys, any last thoughts on this one? You are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line, one eight three three radio bx And boys, we'll be moving on to the next segment of today's show as Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers were in the news yesterday as Mr. Lillard's future is in doubt with the Blazers due to the fact that the team has hired Chauncey Billups and their inability to contend. Obviously, it was clear that Chauncey Billups at first was not Damian Lillard's number one choice. So the question that we have on the table for today which team should trade for Damian Lillard? And uh, Isaiah, I'll let you start this one off. Um, well, it was interesting as um, this, these reports were coming out yesterday, I believe. Uh, Dame had a tweet from June 14, 2017, where he answered a fan's question. The question was, if you had an opportunity to sign with any team in the league other than Trailblazers, what team would it be? He answered, if the Blazers didn't want him, the Utah Jazz or the LA Lakers. It's interesting that this tweet, you know, resurfaces during this time. And I don't know if either team has the assets to acquire Damian Lillard. Um, the Trailblazers, if Damian really does want to leave, they're not going to make it easy for any team to get rid of, like, you know, trade him or, like, um, make it easy for any team to just any kind of assets. So you have to look at what's out there. So we have to look at the draft, right? You see teams like the Pistons with the number one pick. They don't really have anything outside of that. You see teams like Golden State who have a bunch of assets and two first-round picks in that draft. You like seen teams like the Knicks who have two draft picks, multiple draft picks, and multiple assets. I'm a Knicks fan. I want the Knicks to go after Dame. You know, it's just is it in his best interest to want to go to New York? I have no clue. You know, we're still up and coming. We still have like a little tweaks we need to do to the roster. But I, I would love Dame on our roster. We have a lot of defensive. We're the number one defensive team. We have the coaching, and I think the Knicks should go all in for trading for Dame Lillard. Yeah, I'll I respond agree. to that a couple ways. So I think I will say that uh, when it comes to Portland trading for Dame, there are a lot of fans that are just like, oh, he should go to this team, like the Lakers, like the Jazz. Like, you're 100% right. Not a lot of people are bringing into account that, like, you need a lot to give Portland in order to get this guy. And there are a couple teams that come to mind for me. But at the same time, before we get into what team, 
I think that the comparison for Damian Lillard here is Kevin Garnett back in his uh, Minnesota days. It was clear that he wasn't happy with Portland for whatever, or with Minnesota, I should say, for whatever reason. He found his way out and found success in Boston winning that championship. But prior to that, we all knew how good of a player Kevin Garnett was. Like he won NBA MVP as a member of the Timberwolves. So I think fit for Dame has a lot to do with it. Now, a couple weeks ago, in order to answering this question, when uh, Portland got eliminated, the first team that came to mind for me was Philadelphia, because it was always clear for me that Ben Simmons needed to change the scenery, but he played so bad in that Hawks series that, like, I think his stock is down the drain. I think the Knicks make sense. I just don't know if we have enough to get him, as you said, like, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly and three first round picks. Like, are there even Nick fans that want to do that? I'm not sure. The other team that comes to mind for me is Boston. And I know that as Nick people, that's not really the team we want to hear. But if I'm the Celtics, I'd be more than willing to pair up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the legitimate superstar. I think as good as those two guys are, they need one more legit star to win a championship. And I think it was proven uh, just last year when Boston was just like Philadelphia and just like Miami, teams that were interested in James Harden, but didn't want to pull the trigger. Um, I think Boston learned their lesson from last year. They were stale by the end of the season. They obviously lost Kemba Walker. They need a point guard. I'd be willing to give up Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, two really good young players, along with two to three first-round picks in order to bring the Boston Celtics back to a championship relevancy. I think that may be the move. If you're the Celtics, you're not getting these superstar players in free agency for some reason or another. They don't want to come to Boston, so doing it by trade may just be the best way to go. I think the Celtics make the most sense for Dane. Well, before I get in here and actually get my team, I just want to say I want to see Damian Lillard tough it out. I love the fact that we still have loyal people in this world. I feel like this world has shifted away from loyalty and more about I got to get mine. And I think we live in a that's a dangerous place to live in, you know, because people ain't going to look out for you. But if it's the other way around, you better make sure you're the person getting to the chicken. You know, it creates that I got to get mine mentality. I don't like it. I like the loyalty. I want to see Bradley Bell do what he can to make things work on Washington. I want to see the same thing with Damian Lillard. Those are the two stars that come to mind when you think of guys that's trying to dug it out and be loyal to the franchise. And we hope that the franchise is loyal to them as well because everything goes hand in hand. And it's so harder for these low market teams to try to compete. I look at the Trailblazers. You can't sit here and tell me they ain't tried. I mean, they went out and got Robert Coverton. That's supposed to be a 3 and D guy. He was supposed to help on the defensive side of the ball. They went out and got Norman Powell by the trade deadline. Nobody thought that move was on the radar. It just happened over the night. I woke up, it happened. And that was a guy that was supposed to give you that scoring boost to go alongside CJ and Dame. It didn't work out. So for whatever reason, they couldn't beat a banged up Nuggets team. And that has to be disappointing, you know? But if we get to, and CJ hasn't stepped up. He hasn't been that Robin consistently. So... I'm not mad at Dame for wanting to leave. I just know that it's the funny part of the business. But Zach, I disagree with the Celtics. I know why you would think it makes sense. They just traded Kemba. But when you look at Damian Litton and his contract, he is set to make $39.3 million next year on the first year of a Supermax. So if you're the Trailblazers, I'm not taking anybody other than Jalen Brown. I mean, if it's not Jalen Brown, I'm hanging up the phone and I'm disconnecting the phone. And if you take Jalen Brown, if you're the Celtics, 
that's a bad deal for you because you're getting Dame who's going to make double what Jalen Brown is making. Jalen Brown is 24 years old, but he's making way less than Damian Lillard is, and Damian Lillard is much older than Jalen Brown is. So do you really want to trade Jalen Brown and get Damian Lillard with a Supermax contract? I just I don't, I don't think that's smart. But um, I agree with Zay. The Knicks, bring him home. The Knicks, bring this brother home if you can. You have the assets to make it happen. You can put a deal together with Mitchell and um, who else? Obi Toppin. Maybe you want to throw in RJ Barrett in there. Maybe you want to throw in those three first round picks that you have in there. I think that's enough. RJ Barrett showed me improvement this year. You know, um, Obi Toppin, obviously, you know, he, he can shoot now a little bit. He can actually take some three-pointers. So it's not like he can't do nothing on the floor. So you have the assets to make it work. And if you or the Knicks, you need a point guard anyway. You need a reliable point guard that you can go to in crunch time. Guys that, they, that can make these shots, whether it be three-pointers or off the dribble. You need a guy like that. And Damian Lillard is your guy. You pair him up with Julius Randle. You still have $60 million in cap space. So you can make sure you can add another piece, whether it be a star. It don't have to be a star. It could be a quality piece. You can have you a little big three. So if you're the Knicks, I think that makes sense. You make that happen. You bring Dame home, even though he's not from here. What do you so, guys think about Philadelphia? Do you think Ben Simmons would have any value in a possible trade? Of course. I think Ben Simmons, as young as he is, he's, his value is still high. He just, he gains a lot of, um, you know, a lot of disrespect from the media because he decides not to shoot. But if he goes to a team like Portland and under, I guess, tutelage of Chauncey Billups, he will understand that his aggression and what makes the offense flow and he needs to be aggressive in order for the team to succeed. Um, beyond that, I want to go back to what Lil was saying. Uh, Jalen Brown is set to make $24 million this upcoming season. Damian Lillard, $39 million. So that's the $15 million dispar- like, you know, disparity from there. Um, but I agree. I think, as Zach said, if Boston's in a win-now situation, you get Dame, you pair him with Tatum, you get a bunch of role players, and you try to make it work. Unfortunately, uh, Portland's gonna want smart. They're gonna want. Uh, I'd give him, bro. I'd give him a hundred percent. Take him, take him. All they're yours. Gonna, they're gonna want. They're gonna want a bunch of players. But I think the biggest issue with Portland is that they were 29th and 28th in defense the last two seasons. You know, they, they would want smart, right? They would need. They would need some defense. That's 100 percent true. They need. Um, they need defense and they need healthy players. Nurkic has been hurt. He's been battling injuries. You know, a lot of their players that come in and out battling injuries. And I want to go back to the Robert Covington comment. You know, Covington, he's coming out of Philly. He was a great defender, but he wasn't the number one defender on that team. They had defenders in Philly guarding different players. Covington was just a guy who was able to defend the guy in front of him. And his, you know, his numbers were also really good defensively because he was guarding like the the second guy, the third guy. He wasn't guarding the best player on every team every single night uh, in Philly. So... When he came to Portland, Portland wanted him to be this best defender on the team and guard all the best players. And when they're lighting him up on a nightly basis, we blame, oh, he's not playing defense. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. He is doing what he's supposed to do. It's just that it wasn't shown in a light of out of Philly because Philly has so much long defensive players on that team that defended people. And um, it's unfortunate that Robert Covington had to get exposed in this nature because he is a solid role player. He's just not the number one guy, number one defensive guy on a team. They need more defenders. They need to pair, like, get more defense on that team. They have too many offensive players getting hurt. So now that um, it all relies on Damian Lillard to do these magical performances. He averaged 34, not, 34 and 10 this um, last series. You know, he was shooting the lights out the gym. It's just that it, he needs defense. He needs to be able to have people 
to play, uh, pick it up, play defense, and then let him score the ball. Let CJ score the ball because CJ was dribbling the ball up the court, and he was getting these crazy turnovers. He was taking bad shots. He was he wasn't defending his guy on the other side of the court, and it you know just all went downhill from there. So hopefully they, you know, if Dame they don't decide to trade Dame or they don't decide to, like whatever Dame doesn't decide to leave. They need to pick, get some defenders in there. Trade whoever you need to trade. Get some role players, solid role players, and bolster that team. I got another team that comes to mind. This is my option number two. Of course, I'm going to roll with the Knicks because they are the Knicks. But even more intriguing than the Knicks, I would argue the Golden State Warriors. The last episode that we did together as a trio, I mentioned that the Warriors have, uh, they have a good situation on their hands because they have two picks within the top 15 that they can use i believe the seven and the 14 pick you can correct me if i'm wrong those are the picks that they have so why not trade james wiseman right you're going to need a center because Nurkic says if damian Lillard is out i'm out all right so the center position is filled by trading for james wiseman a guy that probably could have more upside at some point in his career eventually than Nurkic anyway he wasn't even doing nothing to be honest with you plus he's injury prone you get james wiseman Andrew Wiggins, a 3 and D guy. We get him over there. He's been stepping it up a little bit this year defensively as well. You get him over there. We all know what he can do offensively. Just a little bit more consistency will be key for him. And you also got the two picks as well. So you can give him, you can give up Jordan Poole if you need to. Jordan Poole off the bench. I don't want to give him up. But if you have to include him, why not? Wiggins, Jordan, Jordan Poole, um, Wiseman, and the two picks that you got in the top 15. Because unlike other drafts, there are some gems here. And you can definitely do damage if you're the Trailblazers by trying to rebuild your roster, which you're going to have to do once Damian Lillard leaves. Damian Lillard is from um, that area in Oakland. So imagine him and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Are you kidding me? I could just only imagine. I have one quick question. If you're the LA Lakers, do you even ponder the idea to trade AD for Dame Lillard? At a I was, it's funny you bring that up because I was actually thinking about that. And... The more I thought about it, I think the answer is no. Just because AD, he has to prove us he can stay healthy. I understand that. But he did win the Lakers a title. He was a very big key part of that championship run. And I do think that Dane is best when the ball is in his hands at all times. I actually like the Warriors fit. I think that would be super fascinating. And the more I think about it, uh, I think the Warriors do have assets. I think that Steph Curry, like even though he's technically a point guard, if you give Dame reins of the ball, that would be fun to watch. I don't know if they could pull it off. I don't know if Portland would trade uh, Dame Lillard to the team that knocked him out of the playoffs a couple years ago, but like that would be awesome. That would be super fun. Um, going back to Boston, though, like I just think that the Celtics over the last two or three years have had so many opportunities to acquire that one superstar that could really put their team over the top. Like they were in the conversation for Jimmy Butler. They were in the conversation for James Harden. None of those moves happened. And I do think that if you could get Damian Lillard and pair him up with Tatum and Brown, like if you could somehow convince Portland to do it, I'd literally give them my next seven years worth of first round picks. Like I would literally give them whatever they wanted outside of Brown and Tatum build a team through that big three and you really got something there um the knicks i think that would be great i think we have the possible assets so i think that is on the table but the question is if portland says we want rj mitch ob or you know what rj quickly mitch and like three first you do it that's my only question 
it depends because if you're the trailblazers do you want proven commodities or do you no, want I, assets I if trading with, game, you, yeah if you if you're trading game you want young guys if yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying and that's right, why if, the knicks and the warriors are more intriguing to me because they they have more com proven commodities uh, you know they have more assets i do believe than boston unless you're getting Jalen brown in that deal along right. with some other picks then then we will have to sit down and talk about that because that is intriguing right. Well, too well, right well let me ask you this if you're um uh, uh leon rose and portland offers you dame but we want like quickly robinson barrett and two first you doing that or no yeah i guess so i guess i'll do it i i, I definitely take a page out of brooklyn and mortgage, um, mortgage my whole future for Damian Lillard. You have to, because if you're the Knicks, bro, you need Damian Lillard. You need superstars. That's the only way you're gonna win in the NBA today. Is having superstars. So yeah, I love the development of these players, and I love to see them on a big stage, growing in front of our eyes. Right. You know, we older than some of these guys, so it's almost like we proud dads. You know, or we watching <laughs> this kid grow up. You know, in front of our face in the playoffs. But at the same time, we need superstars to win in the NBA, and the Knicks need superstars in front of the Garden. I actually have a quick take. I feel like now is the perfect time for the Knicks to try to pull the trigger on CJ McCollum because the attention's away from him and people keep on talking about Dame needs help, Dame needs help. You could possibly steal CJ McCollum from Portland. I like right. that. And, and we, I got less than a we got less than a minute left. When we come back from a quick commercial break, we got some more staying on this topic. Don't you go nowhere. This is In The Huddle on Can You Dig Sports. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think each team has to look at their individual situation and say, if we are really in a position where we are one player away, we could make this deal and we should make this deal. And it really just depends what Portland is thinking, right? Just because Dame wants out, how far is he willing to go? Like, is he willing to pull an Aaron Rodgers and just like, maybe not show up? Like, who knows? If I'm Portland, I think this guy is so good that I'm doing whatever I can to fix this and really just get back to the same terms. But at the same time, all damage may just be done. It's an unfortunate situation in Portland. Um, I, I just feel like Dame has been loyal to – like, he, he's been a loyal to a fault. Man, he's been the best player for years. They just – the help is not – they're not giving him the help he needs in order for him to propel this team to a finals appearance, you know? And it's, it's unfortunate because I feel like he's too good of a player to not – be a C in a finals appearance already. He, he's been lighting up yeah. the floor and he's been doing too, so much for that Portland team. And, you know, it's at this point, it's like loyalty is a curse because, you know, it's kind of hurting him opposed to, you know, making him feel good about being here, you know. And I've been seeing this for years. Even when CJ was starting to light up the court when he's on the court, I felt like CJ and Dame couldn't be on the same team because you have to surround one of these guys with great role players. I feel like they're both too good of a talent to not you know, help this Portland team go further. But then when you look at the rest of the roster, the roster is not really complement complementary to both these two guys' talents. And when you have these two kind of talents, you need great defenders all around them so they could keep producing on offense. But if you have no good defenders on this roster and you're just trying to tell them, yeah, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing on both sides of the floor, you're tiring them out. You're, you're essentially saying it's two against five every night on the floor. You know, and it's, it, you can't have this kind of production keep going as a team. So you need to help these guys, you know, somewhere, some form of way. I'm not going to sit here and say that Damian Lillard does not have a right to one out, you know, but at the same time, I know Isaiah, your point that you just made about loyalty being a curse. It could be at times. Trust me. It can be, you know, you just, you just got to know who to be loyal to. But, um, 
in this situation, bro, it you have to take into account the social media aspect of things, the pressure. You always hearing, damn, you got to go, you got to go. You know, in this era of marketing, this lifestyle of marketing and lifestyle and living, all that literally plays a factor. And some people, nobody can tell me otherwise. That's not a factor. About marketing, being in a bigger market, and um, lifestyle, and obviously the chance to compete so you can feel validated by guys that say you ain't shit if you won't win a championship. Let's just call it what it is. And that pressure is there. And Damian Lillard is hearing that every time he puts up a 50-point game and there's no victory. Oh, Damian Lillard, your career is going to be ruined because you cannot win a championship. That's the same reason why Kevin Durant went to Golden State. That's the same reason why LeBron James went to Miami. And that's the same reason why the league is what it is today, other than these injuries, and we're watching some good basketball right now. And that's just what it is. But, look, I just want to get real quickly here to the higher of Chauncey Billups, too, because I, wanna, I want us to kill two birds with one stone. I like to see the fact that we have a little bit more representation of African-Americans. Obviously, we see what's going on in the playoffs right now. You got Monty Williams, you got Tyron Lue, and you also got Nate McMillan putting on great coaching displays, you know, in front of the, the a world to see. The fact that we have all these African-American athletes, at least, you know, you, at the end of the day, you got to show it. You can't just say, oh, I want this, or we need this. You have to show it once you get those opportunities, you know, and they, they have been showing it. And the fact of the matter is, I see improvements with the NBA. I can't sit here and be this fu fussy, old, grumpy African-American saying we don't have enough. I'm seeing improvement with the NBA, so shout out to the NBA. But at the same time, I, I don't know what's going on with these rape allegations. I haven't heard about it until it got brought up again. I know Damian Lillard has been taking flack, but I'm pretty sure he probably didn't hear it either. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. I know the media public is going to be especially females are going to be upset because there was a female that was a candidate for the head coaching opportunity so you kind of bypass her and then on top of that there's rape allegations connected to the guy that you gave the job to i think that it's going to have a profound impact on the way how the media views it what are your thoughts on that yeah i will say uh when it comes to the situation like Dame was just flat out asked who you want. And at first he wanted Jason Kidd, who didn't want to come to Portland. And then he was like, all right, like Chauncey Billups, that's fine. And then what ended up happening was these allegations came out. And I think maybe this is just a total guess that I, just a gut feeling that I'm just way off on. But I do think that there is a possibility that this going on, right, that tweet that you're referencing to, Will, that um, when the fan called him out, he was like, you wanted to bring in Chauncey Billups, who is just a, you know, a rapist? Like, what are you doing? I think that Dame obviously – knew that that was just an overreaction. He had no idea what was going on with Chauncey Billups. And maybe, just maybe, that is the last straw that wants him to get himself out of Portland. Because honestly, like, it's just a big mess right now. Whether what happened to Chauncey Billups is true or not, like, he has fans coming after him saying, how dare you want a rapist to be our head coach, when obviously he had nothing to do with that. If I'm Dame Lillard and I'm seeing those tweets, I'm super frustrated and maybe – I just want to get myself out of Portland based on that. Yeah, I mean, like, that that's – you can't it, – it's tough because fans just are so – they're so opinionated, and they don't know the ins and outs of every single thing. They just – they see something and they react to it. They don't really go deeper into looking, okay, what was this and what was that. And it's, it's, um, it's really unfortunate that people are blaming Dame Lillard for the Chauncey Billups hire 
especially after the allegations that came out. Um, I forgot how many years ago it was. I, 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 I honestly forget. 1998. You know, and he he's won a ring before after even those allegations came out, and those allegations didn't come. I, at least I didn't hear about him when he won a ring in um Detroit Pistons. I didn't hear about him when he was playing with Melo in Denver. So I, I didn't hear about these allegations for like many years of like watching the game. So, you know, like I said, it's extremely like disgusting. It, like these acts were committed and stuff like that because it said like charges were never filed and stuff. So it's this disgusting and the fact that um something like this came out um at this time and they're blaming Damian Lillard for it doesn't really make sense to me and it's weird. Um, but also. Like I'm, I'm like off the topic of the Chauncey Billups, I feel like Becky Hammond deserved the job in Portland. Um, she was an under assistant coach of Greg Pop for seven, eight years. She won a ring with the Spurs organization um, in 2014 against the Miami Heat. Um, I just think that Becky Hammond deserved a shot after you know being an assistant coach for so long, working under a championship coach, caliber coach in Greg Pop, one of the greatest to ever do it. A lot of the assistant coaches that worked under Greg Pop wound up being successful head coaches in the league. You know, most of them, in, in, you know, right now are coaching teams. Mike Budenholzer. Mike look, he's potentially about to go to our finals. And he's coached teams to first places in the conference divisions many years. You know, and, and you know, and the guy who just got, um, who used to be an assistant coach for the Spurs as well, he's the new assistant coach for, I just saw it here. Ime, I forgot. I, I can't pronounce his name. I, I he just got he just got um Celtics, right? Yes, correct. He just he just got signed to the Celtics, and uh, I I couldn't pronounce his name. I, I didn't want to. As a goofy, I think that's probably that's actually probably exactly what how it pronounced it too. Um, he just got a, a Celtics gig, you know. So these Spurs assistant coaches wind up being successful head coaches in the league, and I just feel like Becky Hammond should should have been hired in Portland. I feel like she could have got did a great job. At least she deserves a coach a head coaching gig in the league. I don't see why. She hasn't received an offer yet, and it's kind of strange. You know, I would, I would, I hope to see her coach a team before I see Steve Clifford coach another team, because mm-hmm. Steve Clifford's like his his records has been horrendous recently, and I feel like you need someone else needs another shot at a head coaching game before him, or God. even Alvin Gentry. But I mean, that's just my opinion. Guys, I I like that point, um, Zay. I like everything that you said about Becky Hammond, and I agree with you. But my thing here is with this whole Chauncey Billups hire, it's kind of a little bit intriguing to me because, all right, the rape allegations started coming to the public. And do you think that that should affect the Trailblazers going forward? Because they hired, they basically hired him last night, despite everything coming out. And I just look at that situation. I look at other situations. Jason Kidd had a uh, domestic violence dispute a couple years ago. He got a gig. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, right? And Zach knows me. I know how to, I like to draw comparisons a lot. You know, and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, what's the reason why Mark Jackson doesn't have a job? So I had to do a little bit of digging to figure out what the reason is. Because everybody like to say, black ball, black ball, black ball. Why is he black ball? Can I figure out the reason, please? You can't just say something without backing it up. Then I did a little digging and there was a situation. I believe it was either a prospect or a free agent. That was gay. And I guess there was talks about him being on the Warriors. And Mark Jackson was like, I don't want that happening in my locker room. But he gets blackballed for that, right? And I'm not saying what he said was, was um, you know, something to be justified. No, it's not. You know, you don't, you don't do things like that. But when you have allegations with these other guys of domestic violence and um, raping, 
Do you think that's more like da- more not less dangerous than Mark Jackson's comments here? So that kind of like you know that just went over my head. I just wanted to bring that up for whatever reason. No, I agree, dude, and that, I think that's a, a like a really good point that not a lot of people are bringing up, right? If you want to be so upset about Chauncey Billups, right? Oh, how dare the Blazers could have fired uh, hired him? I should say. Well, the other option was Jason Kidd, who not only, as you said. Uh, the the allegations, but he had a DUI not too long ago either, and he got the Dallas job. So it really comes down to the question of like, where exactly do you draw the line between really good coach and uh, things that they've done in the past? The other thing also is like in Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups' case, like these guys are former NBA players, and like let's not pretend that players these days who mess up one time it's not really going to cost them like they'll get a a warning and maybe they'll get a small punishment but most of the time we tend to forget about these things because also like these guys are super young when they enter the league i'm not using that as an excuse i'm just stating it as a fact and chauncey billups this happened to him a long time ago uh and i'm not saying that you know devalues what he did if it's true of course not but at the same time i think we have to really dig and investigate the facts until we are coming down to these harsh conclusions you are um, oh, okay. go ahead. No, 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 good. I'm sorry. I, my thoughts. You are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line 1833 Radio B. Continuing with today's show, moving on to the next segment, there was a big fight over the weekend as Javante Davis knocks out Mario Barrios in the 11th round. And I wanted to know what was your guys' reaction when you saw it happen? Well, I was sort of soft here. My reaction was it was a very entertaining fight on a Saturday night where you had the NBA Western Conference Finals game going to the wire. And you're just like, you know what? No shot. No shot am I watching that low-scoring game giving up this fight for. And, man, Javante Davis, what can I say about this guy? He's he's very powerful, man. And that fight was close. I had to fight a draw prior to the round that Barrios got knocked down in which I believe was the eighth round yes it was it was the eighth round that he got knocked down in and Zay I will say this man when you look at Floyd Mayweather and his ability to give advice in the ring to a guy like Javante Davis that's so underestimated the fact that he's getting live coaching for Mayweather one of the defensive wizards of boxing you know one of the greatest boxers of all time top 10 of all time he's actually being coached it was Mayweather who told Javante Davis prior to that round that he not Barrios down in the eighth with a right shot to the temple that you're trailing in the unofficial scorecards and right after he said that he knocked him down he knocked Barrios down in the eighth with a shot right to the temple knocked him down twice and I'm just saying Javante Davis is is grasping the information that Floyd Mayweather is telling him I didn't like the fact that at times he would turn around when he heard Mayweather talking to him. I thought you got to be careful. You know, you can't just turn around mid-fight. You know, you get knocked out like that. But the fact that he's grasping the information, the fact that he has a tank for a right hand, clearly the smaller guy moving up in rate and basically going toe-to-toe with Barrios. Shout out to Barrios. He fought as well as he could. It was a draw. I had it a draw prior to the the rounds that he got knocked down in. He came alive in the 10th round and the 11th round, battled back. But Javante Davis, what was more impressive, as well as his offense, was his defense. He knew when he had to defend himself. 
You know, he always had his guard up, even though at times he was a little bit over overly aggressive. And Barrios was connecting on the body shots where he was overly aggressive. He still managed to edge him out with a nice um, TKO victory. And Javante Davis is up from here. Man, I, I agree with Javante Davis. Kudos to him, man. It was a tough fight for him being 5'5 five, five and having the lower reach. Uh, Barrios was being 5'10 and had a four-inch reach above him. It was a tough fight to go into it. But Javante Davis' greatness and his technicality in boxing is just something that we haven't seen in a little while. And um, I love to see it, you know. And uh, I personally think he needs to be on that, that pound for pound list. He needs to be up there on that list. It, it's just how I feel about his talent as a boxer. Um, the first four rounds, Barrios was landing. He outlanded. Um, oh, the first five. Oh, the first four rounds. Five, first four rounds, Barrios outlanded. Um, Davis. You know, he was. He had to reach. He was, um, establishing a jab. I feel like as Barrios' career goes on, I would like to see him jab more. Being a tall fighter, the jab is your best friend. It's the the best thing you can use. I feel like he needs to. He should establish it more if he wanted to win this fight against Javante Davis. Um, unfortunately, you know, the result was that. Uh, Davis, you know, knocked him out with two clean shots, two not two clean knockdowns in the eighth, and then a final blow going later in the rounds. Um, an interesting stat that I see on BoxingScene.com is that um, outside of the four rounds, the first four rounds, Davis landed 11 punches. Outside of that, he landed 85 punches, and that is just an amazing number to look at. This guy is—he's just—he's just like as the fight goes longer and longer he's getting better and better as the fights continue that's something you don't see in many boxes many boxes they establish their dominance early on but then they kind of deter off as the rounds get later um davis is just an amazing talent you know this is 25th knockout in 26 fights this guy is is killing the game literally he's just knocking down any opponent left and right right now i only have three fighters ahead of him and it's Canelo, it's Spence, and it's Crawford. And the reason why I have Spence and Crawford is because that welterweight division, to me, is the best division in boxing. They have so much talent in that pool. I love the way they, they just kind of fight. They have so many hitters in that welterweight division. It's tough to put any division above that welterweight. So, right, I feel like Javante Davis needs to be fourth on that pound-for-pound pound list because he's knocking down opponents left and right. People like Haney. People love Ryan Garcia. I understand the hype around him. But they're not Javante Davis. And I think once they step in a ring with them, they'll know why. I disagree with him being a top three best active fighters. I was going to call you out on that. So I'm glad that you brought it to the table, my brother. But um, as far as which division is the best in boxing, you can argue. And that's the good thing about it is that there's no definitive answer. You can, or I can make an argument for heavyweight. I can make an argument for welterweight. And I damn sure can and will make the argument for lightweight i think that when you got guys like shakur stevenson when you got guys like javante davis when you got guys like tiafimo lopez ryan garcia devin haney i mean the list goes on nomenchenko still a dog he won on saturday as well he showed why he's still the matrix so when you got all those talented guys seven eight deep you know probably ten deep in the lightweight division i think that's the best division in boxing but um i want to see javante davis and tiafimo lopez because Tiafimo Lopez literally dethroned the Matrix in Lomachenko. And he brought the fight to Lomachenko. And he possesses power that I feel can match Javante Davis's power. So he can box. He showed that he can box against Lomachenko. And he showed that he can get knockouts. So if you're going to beat Javante Davis, you have to know how to box. But you still have to have that power as well to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Javante Davis. And I think Tiafimo can do just that. My And I'll just end this here. My main concern about Javante Davis 
is is he's going to get those big fights you know is he you know because you know when you with mayweather mayweather tends to be very business-like and very business theme based when it comes to his decision making and who he decides to fight for what amount of money he's very business-like you know he's not really a risk taker you know and there's no shots to floyd he's just not a risk taker and i have stats to back that up manny pacquiao is more of a risk taker so is javante davis going to take these big fights or do we have to wait to see him fight guys yeah barrio shout out to him bro it was a good ass fight but i want to see him fight against the likes of tiafimo against the likes of devin haney who is probably the best overall boxer i won't say you know power or anything but as far as technician i think david haney got the title when it comes to that but um we'll see what happens with teofimo lopez's career going forward i also just wanted to, one last thing personally i disagree with the teofimo lopez i feel like teofimo lopez outside of lomachenko that was the biggest name on his record i think the only name on his stat that's record. a big ass name to have on that's your a record. huge name but it's also let me check it with a two-year he's a two years off on an injury come back and that was his first fight was teofimo lopez i don't know if that was a tune-up quote-unquote if that was just a competition but it's like teofimo lopez has yet to give grant him his rematch for the belts you know let me just fought the other night he fought against nakatani and he, I think he beat him get in it. fashion I think I think it it sets up for a Tiafimo Lomachenko rematch. I think he'll get it, and I won't be mad if Lomachenko don't get it because Lomachenko was the cocky one. He was the one with the belts. He could have had a rematch clause. Most fighters, when they have the belts and they the A side, they have a rematch clause. When you lose your belts, you can get them right back. That's what happened with Anthony Joshua and Maurice. There was a rematch clause. So I don't want people to say, oh, Tiafimo is ducking Lomachenko. I mean, even if he is, it makes sense because, I mean, the rematch clause wasn't there. So you didn't give Tiafimo Lopez enough respect. You thought you was going to win that fight easily. So that's why, you know, I'm not mad. But I think eventually and probably next up, he will get his rematch because Lomachenko looked really good. He looked really good in that in that fight um, against the, the Japanese boy. I forgot his name, so I would call him Jack Nakatani, yeah. Forgive me, Nakatani. <laughs> but yeah, he definitely looked good in that fight. Yeah, so. I just like I said, I I stand by the um the Davis top four part of I just I just like his game, man. He he's defeated great opponents. And just one real quick numbers: Davis's last five opponents record combined is one fifty five and fifteen. You know that's a great number for like last five opponents combined the last opponent he um he had a, a last the last opponent that had more than five losses that he went against was in 2016 and that was mario macias 28 and 18. so davis is fighting against great opponents he's fighting against you know contenders championship contenders recently and he's winning the belts he's defending the belts he's right now currently a three division title holder so i i right now it's tough to say davis is below or like below anyone like I, I still feel like Teofimo Lopez has a lot to grow. He only has 15 wins, 15 oh, matches, young. 15 wins. He's, he's extremely young in his career, and he's gonna grow more. And I think you know the fighting world is gonna extend our our wait for Davis versus Lopez or Davis versus Garcia or Haney for the latter future when they're all of them have the belts and they're all like successful in their careers, which I can't wait to see. I just think Davis right now was at a level where it's tough to say he's anywhere below top five he's he's killing the game right now he's knocking people out left and right he is currently box office boxing and i just don't know i don't know if they could put a main load or not and before we get to the next topic i would just say this real quickly here think about the confidence tia lopez has 
the throne in Lomachenko. That's confidence right there. When somebody say this guy is the powerful, powerful king, and you're young, and you beat him, we not over. We think, all right, Lomachenko is going to be better. He's going to be more aggressive um, in the earlier rounds. But what about Lopez? He should be better in this fight with another year under his belt being a young fighter in the second fight. So I think Tiafimo Lopez, Javante Davis makes sense going forward. I don't think we're going to get that fight anytime soon. But um, I just hope we don't see another Canelo and um, Javante Davis. And what I mean by that, Canelo obviously is the best fighter in the world right now. But instead of fighting guys in your division, you can't make that ground up just by moving up in weight. Like how we see with Canelo, moving up to fight the guys like Jermichenko and, and um, Callum Smith. Yeah, moving up in weight is taking a risk because guys are taller than you. But it's not the same as fighting a Demetrius Andrade in your division. Fighting a Charlo in your division. So I want to see Javante Davis. Yes, moving up to fight Barrios. Cute. Whatever. You, you won the fight. You look good. But I want to see you fight Tank. I want to see you fight Ryan Garcia. I want to see you fight Haney. And hopefully we get those fights coming soon. Anyway, 1833 Radio BX is the request line, y'all. That y'all going to call to get into the show. On to the next.